today on the Raising Athletes podcast, episode 11, Audrey Monkey, owner of the Gold Arrow Camp. Hi. This is, I'm, <laughs> Once you know it's for real, you're like, uh, <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Kirsten Jones. And I'm Susie Walton. And this is our podcast, hashtag Raising Athletes with Kirsten and Susie. Our passion is supporting parents and raising not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people. Join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports, including everything from early specialization and overuse injuries, to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves, not only in the classroom and on the court, but at dinner tables and in their communities. We'll be talking to coaches, athletes, parents, and anyone else who will speak to us <laughs> about their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success. And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're going to get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it, teach our kids and ourselves how to do better next time. Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too. Let's do this. This week on the Raising Athletes podcast, we have Audrey Monkey, who's a 34-year owner and director of the Gold Arrow Camp, which is a phenomenal camp. Um, my kids attended a couple of years ago. I'll tell you about that. She's 10 years ago, got her master's in psychology um, and is a writer, a speaker, um, and really loves to dive into the philosophy of camp and the benefits kids have. Two big takeaways that I had from this, this um, conversation as it pertains to athletes is the importance of taking time away from your sport. And as we are all raising kids who aspire to play higher and higher levels, we get caught up in the, oh my gosh, this, we, we need to be playing this sport 13 months a year. And when we give them the break, even if it's only for two weeks, the connections that they can make, not only with other kids, but with themselves and understanding what they truly want and desire. Um, I highly, highly recommend that every kid gets a chance to go to camp. Um, it gives them a chance to grow and understand who they are. And it gives you a chance to you know, step back and, and let them figure things out for themselves. Um, one of the highlights for me in our discussion, we were talking about Something as simple, which sounds ridiculous, but the connections they make, she said, just by having breakfast, lunch, and dinner together, think about that, three meals a day with no devices, <laughs> with face-to-face -face time, she said a lot of the kids feel like they're better connected to their camp friends than to their friends back home, which is sad, I think, in a way, but also very in indicative of how much our kids need these, these types of opportunities um, for social interaction like this. So I'm excited to have Audrey Monkey here today. Susie couldn't make this episode, so it's just she and I. With that, let's begin. Good morning and welcome to the Raising Athletes podcast. We have a wonderful guest as we're getting ready to get into summer and everybody's talking about going to camps. I would love to have Audrey Monkey introduce herself and kind of talk us about her background and then we'll jump in. Well, hi, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Uh, my name is Audrey Monkey, as you said, and I am a summer camp director. I've been at 
my camp for 34 years. So long time. And I have just loved working with thousands of kids and parents and also the young adult counselors who work for us. They're mostly college students. So probably about maybe about 10 years ago, I started getting more into the research around what was going on with kids and their development and how camp was impacting them both in their social skills and sort of their overall well-being. And I ended up going back and getting my master's in psychology and starting to do a lot of writing on a a website, which is Sunshine Parenting. And I have just, now it's just been really fun. I still do camp, but I also do speaking and writing and just trying to spread the word about kind of the philosophy of camp and how it can help in other areas of life beyond summer camp. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. And to give context to everybody who's listening, where where are you located? Um, My camp is up in the Sierras outside of Fresno. um, And I'm in right now in Clovis, California, near Fresno. Oh, awesome. And so full disclosure, I actually moved to LA almost three years ago. And when I got here and I was scrambling because we didn't know anybody. And I said, so where do people send their kids? And one woman immediately says, oh, you got to send her to Gold Arrow. And so I went on, it was like April or something. I went on your website. And unfortunately, I think you had what the first week open was the only week was available. So I signed my kids up and was like, where where are we going? I'm like, I don't know, but it looks beautiful. And sent, sent them up and they spent the week on the lake. It was when you where you go out onto the island, right? And they camp under the stars and it was so beautiful. So, and then here we are two and a half years later and I get connected to you through a mutual friend and through an event we were both just at. So all the stars aligning, but it, the timing is perfect right now, right? Because parents are in that time of year looking for where, how are my kids going to spend the summer? And if they're like me, they're figuring out ways to keep their kids off of Fortnite. Like that has become, you know, the bane of every parent's existence is kids are getting into, they're not taking, they're not going outdoors. They're not playing, you know, they're not just, they're going to a camp or or they're going to a sports camp or they're going to, um, they're playing with friends, but online. Mm -hmm. So I would love to talk to you about, um, first of all, your camp and your philosophy and hearing your background and obviously all of your expertise in, the importance of that because a lot of my friends are sending kids to sports camps, which is great. But uh, you are also doing some fun things with this, partnering with a sports camp to get kids to a new place, which I, which I love. So let's start with um, kind of talking through your camp philosophy. Like I grew up in Montana where we were in the middle of the woods and mom would ring the bell when it was time to come in at night. Right. And there was no, obviously none of us had internet or any of that. And so we were forced to have one-on-one communication and build camaraderie. What I'm hearing from a lot of my clients, you know, I'm coaching a kid right now who's 17 and the mom said, if he gets nothing else from this, but understands how to talk to an adult who understands that it's important to make eye contact, like just basic social skills that now this next generation is lacking because they don't have to do that anymore. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your philosophy at Goldero and and maybe even share a story or two of how you've seen, you know, a camper evolve over time. Sure. Well, um, I think in general, one of the things that's nice about summer camps, both mine and many others, depending on their philosophy, is that we are all committed to being unplugged. So, and this is not all camps and it's something that definitely parents should ask about 
when mm. they're registering, because I would imagine that some sports camps might allow phones. In fact, a lot of them probably do. So, um, so one fundamental thing that we've realized is that kids and adults will not give up their devices unless everybody is doing it. And so what's really nice about our camp is that it's just the norm. All the kids know they're not going to be using their phones or anything for the whole time they're at camp, which is usually two weeks. Even our counselors who are college students and are also just as connected, they actually at our camp are not allowed to use their phones either unless they are away from camp on time off or in one designated staff lounge area. So even our counselors learn to live without their phone. So phones are off. I do not have my phone with me at mm. camp. When I'm mm. walking around camp, it's in my office, you know, in on my desk. So even the, you know, senior staff, we use um, the two-way radios oh, yeah. to communicate, like if we need to get a message to the office or something like that. So we have those just to communicate, but no distraction of our phones. And it is, it's really remarkable. Uh, I talk to kids a lot about it. They will, they will articulate how much they've enjoyed being unplugged. Mm. They feel more relaxed. They feel like they're making closer friends because they're having just that time to actually connect face-to-face and sit around a campfire and chat. So it's just such a unique and different experience for them now. I mean, that's kind of sad. So unique, but it really is. So, so traditional summer camp is kind of like what you were describing in your childhood in Montana. It's getting outside. It's being with other people, it's free play time, it's doing all these fun activities, and there's no TV, there's no screens, there's beautiful stars. So it's, they, one of the things I researched, their, their well-being improves from mm. all these factors. So, you know, all the things that we know about that help kids feel better, getting better sleep, we sleep more at camp. They're very active during the day. Our oldest campers go to bed by 10 and get to sleep until breakfast is until eight. So when you think about that, just that alone, that these teenage campers are sleeping more than they do the whole rest of the year, um, they get better sleep. They're outdoors in the fresh air. They're off their screens. They're eating um, regular meals with like, you know, we have a salad bar and all this stuff, but they also are not snacking. So there's no just like sitting around, you know, eating Doritos or whatever. You're just, you're hungry by lunch and you eat a really good lunch of real food as opposed to this sort of grazing that goes on, which, I mean, I think we all do that when you're just home and doing stuff. It's like, ah, you know, you skip lunch and then you grab something or whatever. So there's just so many factors. And this is one of the things, you know, in my research, I really couldn't identify what is, why are they feeling happier at camp? You can't really, I mean, I have a you know, nailed it down to, is it the being unplugged? Is it being outdoors? Is it just all that good social connection? I suspect it's the latter. I mean, there's so much and you're, you, you pinned it. It's, they are finding more and more that it is our loneliness and lack of social connection mm. that is the underlying cause of all this increase in anxiety and depression. And, you know, so for our kids, they are suffering right now, mm-hmm. but there are some solutions. And, you know, summer camp is one of many. Mm-hmm. Um, in families, it's, it's just harder in a family to say, oh, we're going to unplug today. I right. mean, it's hard to tell your teenagers, you know what, we're going to go out on a hike and we're leaving all our phones at home. Yep. But parents can do it. They can still do it. It's just a little harder. Yeah. 
I love the piece about nature too, which I, the study, the research that I keep coming across is about how important even just taking your shoes off and walking through grass for, I mean, something as small as like 15 minutes a day, Mm -hmm. like just literally connecting with nature and sitting with the door open and listening to the birds or listening because that just even, you know, I talk about with kids filling your own bucket, like what are the Mm -hmm. things that you can do that fill your own bucket that make Mm -hmm. you happy? And that's the part that's really scary when they don't know what that is because Mm -hmm. they haven't had to do that themselves, right? So I think they also haven't had time to reflect. This is one of my, I mean, you know how it's there, there's this whole mindfulness movement. Yes. And it's, we all need to just be in the moment more. I mean, that's, you know, when you go outside and you look at the stars and like, wow, oh my gosh, you know, that's the big dipper and look at that shooting star. It's just, again, you're just in the moment with that thing. It kind of forces you to, or when you see a deer or Mm -hmm. smell pine or so those things, those like sensory things, and that's called earthing. I think when you're like bare feet on grass or whatever. So I think kids, and this is just so sad, but really their whole life is so moving, moving, moving moment of boredom. Oh, look at my screen. Um, they, they haven't had that time to just sit and reflect or even notice what are the things where I get in that flow state. Mm -hmm. I'm sure for many of the athletes that you work with, their sport is their flow. You know, they are so into it and they feel so great when they're like on with their sport. And, um, and that's wonderful if that's one of their things, but they probably also need to cultivate other, other areas of flow. And it could be whether it's a craft or, you know, something that's connecting with nature or doing something else outside or reading or just being with friends. I mean, there's so many different things that all, we all are different and what makes us tick, but I think we're, we're sort of robbing our children of the chance to figure that out. I, I love what you're saying about so just thinking of to, to the listeners, so to parents, like what are some easy things, right? Because again, having the luxury to send your kids to camp is amazing, right? But what are the things that we can do? And I love what you said, like, let's go on a family hike. Um, even I'm thinking about the last couple of weeks, I've just decided I'm doing it. And this sounds silly. We had family dinner growing up, I don't know, seven nights a week. And now I'm lucky if I get it once, but it's a non-negotiable. Like, Come, even if my husband needs to get back on the laptop at nine o'clock at night, come home, let's eat dinner as a family. And last night the conversation broke into the boys were teasing each other. And we were like, it was 30 minutes of them just laughing their heads off. You know, there was really no agenda, but to be together, like you said, unplugged and to have to, you know, make eye contact and also hear about your day. Like what are your, what was the best part of the day? What was the worst part of the day? What are the, what are the, you know, that's where the dreams start coming out. That's where the big ideas, that's where the, Hey, why don't we, we try to go do this as a family this summer, right? It's kind of becomes your, your, I see it as kind of like a planning um, opportunity. And there's no like, okay, we have to get this out of this conversation, but rather just a, we're going to be together you know, and look at each other without a device in between us. Right. Yeah, sure. Oh, I think, well, I mean, obviously family dinner is just the easiest way to make sure that at least at one point every day, 
Yeah. We're just hanging out together. And it's a really easy time to just say, we're all turning off our phones or leaving them somewhere else. So I think, yes, even just that is a perfect thing. And maybe, you know, families who haven't been doing that, maybe summer offers more time and, you know, you could have dinner later or it could be a barbecue or whatever, or, you know, maybe you could, they could do more family dinners over the summer. I think that's another, you know, when you were talking about that, I'm thinking that is a thing at camp. So at camp, three meals a day together yeah. and campfire. There are four times a day that basically our groups are just having kind of what they would call a family time and the kids love it. And they say they feel closer to their camp friends after two weeks than to their friends at home who they spend mm-hmm. the whole year with. And it makes sense because how often are our kids just at school or, you know, even, even on a sports team, you know, how often do they circle up and just like get to know each other or talk about something other than the sport, which I'm huge proponent of like I, with coaches, I always, whenever my kids start a sport, I just like, please, can you have the kids introduce each other? You know, because sometimes like some kids on a team have been already playing together and know each other or the coach knows them, but there's always somebody new. Yeah. And, and I hate that feeling that, you know, it's like the soccer field and my kid doesn't know the name of the kid. They're supposed to say, you know, like call for the ball or something. Right. And I think sometimes, um, you know, coaches, well-meaning are so excited to get into the like coaching of the sport mm. that they forget that kids are going to do so much better if first they feel connected to the team. Like they need to, so even if coaches spend just a little bit of time just letting the kids share, like you were saying, the high of their day or something that's going well, that's not anything to do with the sport. Yeah. That will make the team better. I don't know if you follow any of John Gordon's books. No. Okay. So he has this new book. Um, I think it was pretty recent. It's called The Power of Positive Leadership. Okay. And he's really into, he works with a lot of teams like um, Clemson football and all different things. And his kids are also really good athletes. One's a tennis player and one's a lacrosse player. I think they're both playing in college. So he's really, a lot of his stories of positive leadership are about coaches. Oh, And a lot of them are just about these coaches that make their team feel like a family Mm. that, you know, are available to encourage their kids to still do well in school. Mm-hmm. To help them get tutoring they need. Just it's this whole big picture thing that the team does better when the kids know that it's about a lot more than just the sport. That's awesome. You're actually reminding me of my my college coach uh, who every day we had check in. So we would sit in a yeah. circle before we started practice. Um, you know, some of us would complain it went on a little too long because sometimes it would end up, you know, somebody was having a really rough time. And so, but she would be there. She would be available for us all to check in. But you did. You got to know each other so intimately. Um, and also that led to when you went onto the court, supporting one another deeper because you know what she's going through and you, you know, you want to make sure you're supporting her. And then also the highs, right? Like you also get to celebrate. We're a family. We're we're celebrating. You just aced the AP calc test or whatever, like you, you're, you know, rocking it. So yeah, that, that is definitely a, a huge element of peak performing teams, right? Which I, before we jumped on, you were talking about you even jumping into helping some sports teams. So I know a lot of the parents listening, you're sending your kids to sports camps, which is awesome. Um, And again, we want our kids to get better. We want to support that development. 
And um, but you're doing a unique thing, which I love, because not all sports camps have an element of developing really what we could call the whole child, right? You go there to learn how to afford do a forehand or a backhander, but what happens for the the downtime when they're not hitting balls on the tennis court, when they're not learning how to serve. Um, and you, you're talking about going in and working with a camp this summer. Maybe you could tell them about that. Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, like you said, sports camps are a really fun way. If kids love a sport, it's a great way to connect with some new coaches and other kids who do the sport. So I, I think, you know, sports camps are great. Oftentimes they're run by people who are, you know, specialists in the sport and they might not always have the staff who are more uh, trained about sort of child development and social emotional needs of kids. And so those are important questions to ask, especially if this is the first time your child's going especially to an overnight camp. You know, with a day camp program, it's probably fine because mostly they'll probably be doing the sport when they're there and maybe mm-hmm. just having a meal or something. But for the camps that are, you know, on college campuses and they're living in dorms, I think it's important for parents to just really get to know what is going to be going on when my child's not doing the sport. Who's going to be with them? Are there fun activities in the evenings? Are all the kids just going to be on their phones? Like what's happening? Is there supervision? I mean, even like who is, so that those are important questions to ask. Um, And I think sometimes parents don't realize, you know, it's like, oh, it's like this well-known name on Mm. on the sports camp, which is great. And are they also doing these other things? Because a lot of sports camps do have a terrific program for when the kids are not actually doing the sport. Because when you think about it, what they might be six to eight hours of the day doing the sport. What's bedtime? You know, <laughs> what are they eating? Are they are they alone in rooms with other kids? Is there are their counselors stopping by? You know, I don't know. So I just to me, um, I think there's. I think sometimes parents don't realize that they need to look into a little more thoroughly what's going on, especially for younger kids and first-time campers. Um, and maybe for some of those kids, it would be better to go to traditional camp first, where mm. they have a chance to just sort of get into the, be, like get used to being away from home yeah. and sort of get acclimated in a setting where there's a lot of support. Yeah. If they are going to be going to a program that maybe won't have as much support on the social emotional side. I mean, I guess that's, that's one of the ways to look at it. I also think, and I don't know, we talked a little bit about this. Um, we get, um, you know, some kids stop being able to come to traditional camp by the mm-hmm. time they get to high school because their sport is so intensive. My, um, my nephew was like that. He was a water polo player and he loved camp more than anything, but he, um, went to a big high school, Southern California, modern day. Yep. (laughs) And that is cool that boy, at least in his sport, there is no break. Mm -hmm. I mean, forget family vacations, forget almost anything. And so sadly he couldn't come to camp. I can't even remember when it started, but maybe around seventh, eighth grade. I mean, he was getting, and so, um, so I just also would love if kind of the sports world would catch up to the point of realizing that this is almost like a job for our kids Mm. and everybody needs a vacation. (laughs) So it is taking a break for a couple weeks during the summer from whatever sport to me seems like a good thing for our kids. Um, How old is your nephew now? Can I ask? He's in college. He's at, um, he's at Notre Dame now. So have you had a chance to ask him was that worth it? Was it worth it to? Um, I, I will, I should ask him. I, you know yeah. what? Um, I know we have talked about it and, um, I think it was, 
you know, he was all caught up in the thing and he liked his team, but in the end he ended up, um, playing actually water polo at Claremont McKenna and then oh, transferring yeah. to Notre Dame because of, he just wanted a different kind of culture. And he's now just playing on a club team. That's mm. not nearly as competitive as his high school team. And he's loving it and still enjoying the sport, but without the intensity of, yeah. you know, I think his high school was almost like a college level intensity. It's yeah. so, um, you know, and, and he likes, he loves the sport. He still wants to play, but he had to kind of find his way. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I think, you know, if your kid is so happy and loving their sport and everything's going great, then, you know, I got, you know, it's fine if that's what they're doing. I just feel like whatever it is, whether it's academics or sports or your job, or we all need time to step back and rest and reflect a little. And I know for us, we do have some kids who are you know, competitive athletes and they, you know, whether it's tennis or something else and they come to camp and they do not do that sport for two weeks mm-hmm. and it's their break mm-hmm. and they call it that it's their mm-hmm. break. And so I'm a proponent of it. Um, but of course I'm not coming from the, Oh my gosh, my kid has to, can't take a break. I don't know. You know yeah. I just think, <laughs> so no, I think that's fabulous insight. In fact, I mean, just speaking for my three, my oldest, if he could play, you know, 24 seven basketball, he would like, we went on a college tour the other day. And the first question he asked was, is the gym open 24 seven? And the coach is like, well, no, we have hours. Like you can't just come here at two in the morning. Like that's who he is as a kid. So when we went to Yosemite a couple of years ago, it was like painful for him to be outside of his comfort zone of basketball, which is exactly why he needs it. Right. And look, we're going to wakeboard. What is that? you know, we're going to figure it out. You're going to face some fear. My, my youngest one, she can't wait to get to camp. She, she's excited for the break. She went for two weeks last year and her only complaint was it wasn't long enough, mom, please let me go away for a month. And I used to be like, shock when people would send their child away for a month. Do you not love your child? And I realize now, like I am giving her the biggest gift of allowing her to go and be herself. And she's like, I don't even care if I know anybody, mom, by the time I get on the bus, I know 10 friends. Like, and we're, by the time we get there, we're singing songs and we're, we're off on our adventure. Right. And understanding to your point about your nephew and why I asked is for some kids that is their dream. Right. And so they don't see it as a sacrifice, but I see the job as the parent as to insert those breaks for them. Because as much as they love it, which is wonderful, at some point, the ball stops bouncing. The ball stops going in the net. So if he looks back on his childhood and says, I just played water polo for 12 years nonstop and I never, you know, I mean, and he, he was lucky enough to have you as an aunt. So he got to experience what camp was like. He does have those memories. But for kids who the parents are like, no, 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 we can't miss you know, club soccer, they're 10. The coach says, you know, it's the end of the world. If they miss the July tournament, that's the big tournament. I say, no, no, like you're missing the point that you need to have the family vacations. You need to have the, the downtime for the kid. Once you get to high school and if it's their dream to play at the next level, okay, fine. Let's, you know, buy varsity sports, which maybe isn't till their junior year. Okay, fine. Say goodbye to those kind of things, or at least put them on hold for a while, but giving them up at eight, 10, 12, even I think up to, you know, really freshman, sophomore year of high school is a shame because that's what childhood is about, right? 
Right. I I agree. I think it's a real gift for parents to, like you said, because I mean, our kids, you know, there's some things that you, you need to listen to them. Like, what do they like? What do they want to do? And then sometimes you need to know what's best for them. So family dinner, you already gave that example. They might not necessarily want that. They might prefer to just grab something and keep playing their video game. (laughs) But in the end, I know it's something that they'll look back on. I have some adult kids now, you know, and they, I mean, just the other day, it was so funny. My daughter and I, we were up doing a um, 5k run so we do these, um, like our camp, we'll set up a booth and we'll go and meet some families. And we ended up running with the, one of our 10-year-old campers was kind of going our pace. We were chatting and everything. And my daughter, who's 24, she said, you know what? I loved that we went out to all these races when we were little. So our family would, these local Fresno races, we would go out on like a Saturday morning or Sunday morning and the kids would do the kids race. We would run like a five or 10 K my husband and I are both runners and we'd all go out afterwards and get like Starbucks and an egg sandwich or bagel or something. And, um, it was, you know, a little bit brutal some morning, like when it was dark and we were getting up to go do it. But those are my kids and our, some of our best family memories. It was like this funny thing that we did as a family that other families don't really do. Right really great now is now like my daughters and I will like run or walk half marathons together. Um, it's become, you know, it's just something that we all do. And only one of my kids, one of my kids actually was a competitive runner. She even ran in college at the start and then decided not to anymore. Um, so we, you know, out of that, we actually did get one kid who liked it, but she also, she went to a small high school. She played soccer and, um, and liked other things too. And she right. loves camp and wakeboarding and everything else. So she's a runner, but she also is uh, these other things. So I don't know. I just think it's parents sometimes do need to say, you know, what's best for my child, like the whole child, as you said. And yeah. it's really easy to get, I think, caught up in, oh my gosh, my kid's so good. You know, oh, wow. Let's put all of our eggs in this basket and let's like help them do this great thing. And I think it's wonderful to give our kids those opportunities and we also need to let them kind of provide the leading mm-hmm. if they're getting kind of burnt out on it mm-hmm. or it's not bringing them joy or they're feeling too much pressure. I think we as parents need to be the ones to say, Hey, it's okay to take your foot off the gas. It's okay to yeah. take a break. It's okay to decide. Maybe you don't want to do this anymore. And that's hard as a parent to like, you know, let your kid, I had a, my, one of my other daughters was a um, really good softball pitcher. Like really good. Like when she was eight years old, she like pitched, a, I don't know, just whatever she did. She did really well. <laughs> so as she got older, you know, she was playing on the school team and it came to a summer, I think it was like eighth grade and they wanted her to do a club team. And we can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. our family, I'm like, I'm not letting my daughter drive around with other families to mm-hmm. soccer or softball tournaments all summer. We're at camp. And, um, but it was kind of one of, even I was like, oh gosh, she really is pretty good. She could do that. And we, you know, so, and that was kind of the end of her softball, Mm -hmm. but I'm okay with that because her personality was also, as she got older, just the coaching and the pressure was not as fun for her. Mm -hmm. As a little kid, she wanted, she was like, can I go pitch? Can I go pitch? And I'd go back with my little mitt and she'd pitch and pitch and pitch. And she really loved it. And she was so good, but she didn't like the how competitive it got. So for her, I mean, I was like, ah, what a bummer. She's so much, has so much better hand-eye coordination than I have. And I could (laughs) never do that stuff, but it was so right. Like looking back, she has so many interests and things and, you know, it's, she's great. She runs and she likes to play tennis and, you know, she, she does things, but softball, and I'm sure she'll be the best, like when her, you know, her business has a softball team or something, she'll love that. 
She'll be right. so good on those teams, you know, for recreational softball. Well, it's interesting too. You say that because I think one of the things we get caught up in as parents is projecting as to what this softball will do for her career-wise, right? And we at eight or 10 are saying, oh, but she has to do travel because, but I look at even just soccer. My middle one played soccer all the way up and he played from kick and chase. So at age four, all the way till 13, had a really awful club experience and has not played a moment since. But you spent, you to your point, put all your eggs in one basket thinking, you know, and P.S., even if he did still love it, the chances of making the high, school, the high school team are really, really slim. And the chances of playing in college and the chances, you know, and the parents who are signing up for that gold team at 12, you, in their mind, I think most of them are thinking, oh, yeah, my kid wants to play in the MLS, right? They're the next Beckham. And you're like, the reality is 99% of our kids won't be. So, it has to be intrinsically driven. It has to be something that he truly wants to do. And then to your point, is it really feeding his soul? Is it really what he's meant to do? Or is it a sampling along the way, which is a great tool for him to have the rest of his life as he goes and tries all these different things in life, right? Yeah, it's a, for sure. It's a, it's a buffet. Right. Yeah. I just think, yeah, it is just staying in tune. Like you said, is it bringing him joy? Is it still a good thing? And that intensity of athletics is so much that for many people, it's just a little too much. Yeah. Yep. And even if you're really good, it doesn't necessarily, yeah, Yeah. there there are other things too. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. <laughs> I know. I feel like we could go on forever. I know. I do too. <laughs> like, I don't even know how long we've been going. So I, yeah. I should probably uh, wrap it up. But maybe is any parting words? So goldarrowcamp.com is where people can find you? Or it, Well, actually, probably the best place is my website, okay. which is sunshine-parenting.com. Okay. Um, that, and, and that actually has a lot of resources about a lot of camps. On my podcast, I actually interview directors of a bunch of different programs, including I did one with a tennis camp. So, um, so I have, I provide resources about a lot of camps, not, not necessarily just my own. Cause I really think summer camp is like, it's kind of like schools. You have to find the right match for your kid. So no one program is going to be the right camp for every kid. But I will say my, my, I guess my parting word would be Check if the camp is accredited by the American Camp Association. Um, the American Camp Association is the accreditation organization that oversees camps. And camps who choose to be accredited have met a lot of standards in terms of our staff screening, supervision ratios, programming. Um, anyone can open what they call a camp and call it a camp. Um, but it's sort of like if you sent your child to school, you would make sure that it's an accredited school. I would guess that a lot of sports camps are not accredited by the American Camp Association, which is fine if they're accredited by somewhere else or they're inspected by the health department or they have other overseen organizations. But I think it's a good question to ask for parents to ask. I mean, I know from being within the camp industry, there's a huge variation mm-hmm. in how camps are operated. And at least going to an accredited camp guarantees that there are standards being met. So I think that's, I would say that that would be my one thing. Um, my camp is not big enough to accommodate everybody, <laughs> but there are a lot of really well-run camp programs. And so anyway, sunshine-parenting.com has a great, a lot of resources and the American Camp Association. 
Awesome. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. I love all the insights. And yeah, to parents out there who are getting ready to send your kids to camp, please go check out sunshine-parenting.com and her podcast. Um, and to parents, you know, we if you enjoyed this and you have some other parent out there who's trying to figure it out with their kids, we would so appreciate it if you would share the love and go on to iTunes and rate and share this podcast. So thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next week.